Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, of course, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Also sponsored by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, fraternal financial organization. Hector can help you plan for your family's future. Right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, dog? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 161, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. It is the leading into the weekend version. The Friday podcast, although some of you, who the hell knows when you listen to this, we've got Clarence Hill Jr. coming up talking Cowboys. We've got ESPN's own Ed Werder coming up talking Cowboys. And I have to say, as much as I love chill, when I told a couple of people here in Birmingham that I had to run home because Ed Werder was going to be on our podcast today, they're like, oh my God, Ed Werder, I just saw him on ESPN. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, but you I can have listened to him on the show. Yeah, you do. You can listen to him on the show, which is what I like to tell everybody. It's fantastic. So we have all that for you. We'll take a trip around the block. We're going to have some fun. Maybe we'll even talk a little collegiate football again. Who knows? But I do know this, and this is true. And, and let's let's get serious here for a second. Many of you know I was involved in a car accident, and man, my back was not my friend. I didn't know what I was going to do. Nay, the situation was dire, but I woke up the Monday morning after my car accident and I called the attorneys at Greening Law and Robert Greening and his green team, man, they've been, they've been great. I mean, I, I haven't had to pay for a thing. I don't pay for anything. They don't get paid. I don't pay them a dime until I get compensated. But I already knew I was like, because I was kind of once like, man, should I call them? I was like, well, you know what? It's free. I ought to just call them and see what they say. So I did. I called him. 972-934-8900. Dude, it's the best call you've made, I would say. And that's because, you know, the thing about the green team is they tell you all the questions you should ask that you don't even know that you should ask. Um, They handle things that you don't know should be handled. And they put you in a position where you can get compensated for being hurt in an accident and had nothing to do with you. It doesn't matter whether it's a car or workplace or, you know, somewhere else. But, you know, the thing about it is, as Matt said, picking up the phone and dialing a number doesn't cost you anything. And they don't get paid unless you get paid. Mm -hmm. And as I like to say, that means you don't ever have to worry about whether they're working hard for you. 
That's exactly right. And, and whether it's a car accident, I mean, they've represented clients that have had birth injuries, sexual assault cases, injured on the premises of a building or a business. I mean, I suppose you could get injured on the premises of a building, experience malpractice, so many different things they can help you with. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against those insurance companies. It's Robert Greening. 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900, Robert Greening, call now, Office Dallas, Texas. Also, this podcast very much made possible by our friend Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. You can give Hector a call, 940-453-3490, and you can ask him those questions that I don't even know what you ask. And, and that's what's so great about Hector with Modern Woodman of America it's non-fee-based, so it doesn't cost anything to meet with them. So you can call them and be like, hey, Hector, yeah, so Matt and Jacques are telling me, you know, I want to plan for my future. Dude, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what that means. And Hector will sit down with you and be like, I got you. Well, I think the best thing that they do, man, is they analyze your current financial situation. You tell them where you'd like to be and when you'd like to be there. And then they go about developing a plan for you because everybody's situation is different. Some people want to be aggressive if you're in your 20s or 30s. Uh, some people want to be uh, more conservative if you're like me in your 50s. And then what happens is, though, they put together a great plan for you to help you get where you're trying to go, whichever route you would prefer to take, whether it's being aggressive or being conservative. That's exactly right. And, and Modern Woodman of America, as we've told you about, is the nation's third largest fraternal benefit society. So what that is, it's a unique combination of business while giving back to those they serve, which creates this continuous cycle of positive impact. It's fantastic. Give Hector a call. Let him answer those questions. Let him help you plan for your future and your family's future. 940-453-3490. 940 940- Four five three thirty four ninety. It's Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Well, the bye week is over. It's already over and done with. The Cowboys are five and one. They are rolling in to their next weekend of action. They are headed up to Chile, Minnesota, where they will take on the Vikings on Sunday night football. A late kick, which means that we will be waiting. On Sunday night, we will roll out that podcast as soon as we can after Sunday night football is over, which will be sometime after midnight, I would imagine. But this is an interesting test, I think, because of where the Cowboys are. This is one of those wins. You know, we had Todd Archer on the podcast on on the last episode, and we kind of talked about that a little bit. But you're at a point now where you've won five in a row. But a lot of people are going to point at it and be, yeah, but so what? I mean, look at the teams that you've beaten. What does that really mean? Now you have an opportunity. You're facing a competent quarterback. You're facing multiple offensive weapons, and you're facing a solid defense. I think this is just another one of those games that really can show exactly where the Cowboys are. This is a big game for them. Yeah, but it's a um, it's it's definitely a big game because it's a uh, it's a it's a good opponent. It's a weird opponent because Minnesota. I think they're one of those, what do you call it, uh, borderline franchise, I mean, uh, playoff teams. Yeah, man. Um, because they've got a lot of offensive talent, a lot of offensive talent, man, a lot of it, with Dalvin Cook and Thielen and Justin Jefferson at receiver. Um, and, you know, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. I didn't say he was great. I didn't say spectacular. I didn't say he was elite. I said he's a good quarterback. <laughs> All right, y'all got that? Yeah. And he's as, he's as likely to throw for 350. And four touchdowns as he is to throw for, you know, 210 with two touchdowns and three interceptions. It just depends on which day you get him. Uh, but 
the way this defense has given up big plays this year and with the talent that they have, I expect it to be a shootout. And that to me means, uh, you know, it's a, it's going to be a tough game, man. I think it's coming down to the fourth quarter, and then we'll see. Might even be a case of who has the ball last. Yeah, I think it very well might. And again, this is a Minnesota team. Let's not forget, you look at their record and you go, yeah, but they're only three and three, so what? Well, it, it's not as surface as that. They had an overtime loss in week one on a field goal to the Cincinnati Bengals. They had a one-point loss to the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. Oh, and by the way, both those games on the road. They then held the Cleveland Browns to just 14 points in a seven-point loss to Cleveland. So this is a team who's been right there with some of the better teams in the NFL. This is a solid team that I think offers a big test. What, what worries me, there's two things, obviously, and we'll find out a little bit more information on these from both Chill and Ed Werder. The Dak Prescott bit, I don't know what to expect of this. He, he has said that he'll know Saturday whether he's going to be able to go on Sunday or not. But it really feels like, you know, you watch the video of him in practice, and you're like, well, man, you're, you're, you're jumping around and you're doing all this stuff. You're breaking a sweat. You know, you look like you're practicing fairly normal. But then the things that he talks about makes you wonder if there's a little bit of a lingering something that, that's hanging around that they're still somewhat concerned about. Obviously, if Dak can't play, I'm picking Minnesota. If Dak plays, then it's a completely different ball game. Oh, no, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Like, if Dak plays, I think they win. If Cooper Rush plays, I think they lose. And I think it's because um, I don't know that Cooper Rush can – well, let me rephrase that. Cooper Rush can't make the the checks at the line of scrimmage that Dak does and, you know, put him in position to make the plays that Dak does nor execute <laughs> those plays yeah. the way Dak does. And so even if Cooper Rush played a good game, Maybe they scored 21 points or 24 points if he played a good game. I don't think that would be enough against Minnesota on the road. So I think they lose if Cooper Rush plays. They win if Dak plays. The interesting thing, though, is, and I tried to squash this for y'all. I tried to look out for y'all, some of y'all, because I heard this thing going around on Twitter the other day, man, that said, well, just play Cooper Rush. Uh, we've already got the big lead in the division. You know, if we lose, <laughs> it doesn't matter. What? And I'm like, what are you talking what is about? Wrong with y'all? Do y'all what, dude? This is an yeah. NFC game. Of course, it matters. They're they're bro. trying to keep pace with everybody else in the conference. That bro, that's why I, I was like, y'all don't get it. I go, I literally put on the Twitter thing. I literally said, nobody cares about the NFC East. That thing is one. This is about getting home field advantage throughout the playoffs. This is a conference game. You don't want to lose a conference game. And so, no, this is a big game for that reason, man. That's, I mean, that is, that's like something that Stephen A. Smith or Dan Orlovsky would say. <laughs> you know, just to get Cowboys fans all fired up while they laugh while they're counting their millions. But, yeah. it, it, you know, th this is interesting because, and, and I'm just reading this from Archer's Twitter that he just tweeted out. If the decision was Dak Prescott's, he said he would play Sunday, but he said the decision is not just up to him. Coaches and medical staff will have a say, but he has not taken snaps in team drills at all this week. Well, that's because they got to get Cooper Rush ready in case he has to play. Um, it's, it's really good, I think, to take that approach because if because you got to figure out, you got to understand the two scenarios that could happen. One is Cooper Rush ain't played, so he needs as much work with the first team as he can get, especially if Dak's doing rehab work. And then second, this is always a possibility with injured players. And we saw it with Amari Cooper, uh, when was it? I think last year, mm -hmm. uh, which is Dak could start the game. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm playing. 
and then six plays into it, aggravate the strain and be done for the day. And if you hadn't gotten your backup quarterback any help, you might as well just hey, we'll just give it to y'all today. Two nothing forfeit. We we going back home. Yeah, that was the Cooper at the New York Jets scenario from yeah. whether it was last year or the year before. I can't remember, but that that's kind of what you were talking about, where he gave it a go, only played a handful of games. I think it was 2019 right. when they did that. And then we saw what happened. The Jets beat him. And you're like, well, great. We're down a receiver. We could have used somebody else. But, you know, you got to err on the side of caution. The other thing about this game that I wonder about, Trayvon Diggs has shown me enough. I'm going to be fascinated because – for the most part, we have seen them shadow the best team's receiver with Trayvon Diggs, which right. leads me to believe in this matchup, it's Justin Jefferson that he will be on the vast majority of the time. If you hold Jefferson in check, the problem is when you play teams that have two guys on this level, the other dude is Adam Thielen. We, Anthony Brown's a solid cornerback. But I think Adam Thielen can eat him for lunch, and I'll be real curious to see what the Vikings do to try to expose the other side opposite Trayvon Diggs with Adam Thielen and then Dalvin Cook even, who, of course, is no stranger to catching balls out of the backfield when he's healthy. Well, you know, the, uh, the interesting approach, man, we'll call it the Deion Sanders approach. You could put Trayvon Diggs on Adam Thielen and say eliminate Thielen as much as you can mm -hmm. and then double cover Jefferson which is what San Francisco did when they had Dion. They put Dion on Alvin Harper, double cover Michael Irvin, um, to try to eliminate him that way. Uh, either approach is fine. You just, somebody's got to execute it. But uh, it will be interesting to see how they do it, how they approach it. Because, again, man, Minnesota's got a really good offense. Um, yeah. And uh, if you don't have them in check, it's just going to be yeah, – I mean, it could be a great game. It's going to be a track meet. Yeah, this, this to me reminds me of kind of what we saw. I don't think they've played an offense like this, you know, maybe a little bit for the Chargers to some degree, but certainly not since Tampa when you've got Tom Brady, the weapons that they can deploy at wide receiver, and you have a couple of running backs that you believe can run the ball. Although, I mean, look, Dalvin Cook's by far the best running back they've faced. So this is going to be interesting. The flip side of this is the Cowboys offense. If Dak's playing, they're going to be in any game. And it's hard for me to pick against the Cowboys when Dak is playing. This is a tough game. It's a road game. But if Dak is going to play, then that indicates to me that they do not have any qualms that it's going to re-aggravate itself and be a problem moving forward. And the level that he's at right now, he is playing at an MVP level. I think there's only a couple of quarterbacks in the league that are playing on his level right now. And if he's going to do that based on what we've seen, I think the Cowboys win. Yeah, I think if if uh, you got a score, I'm gonna go. I I think it's similar to that Tampa game, man. I I, I think this is one of those games. It's like 34-31 Dallas. Wow, Matt McLaren stealing my score. <laughs> is that that's, what you had? That, that's the score that appears in uh, the Dallas Morning News that you guys can look at today. Nice, look uh, at me. Thirty-four, thirty-one in a thriller. Now I did take the cop out. I go. This is all in case Dak plays. If Cooper yeah. Rush plays. Then I think they well, it's totally uh, think different. They lose. If Cooper Rush plays, I think Minnesota wins this game, something like 31-24, 31-21. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. I might even go thirty-one seventeen. Yeah, I'd <laughs> I mean, be more. I'd be more inclined to do that because I just think the difference between the way Dak operates the offense and the way Cooper Rush could operate the offense just be completely, totally different. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Uh, so yeah, but uh, I think if Dak can play. And, you know, everything I've read, I still can't really figure out if he's going to play or not. 
I think he is, but I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't because Britt Brown, one of the best in the business at rehab, the conversation could be, you know, there's, I mean, I'm just saying this. The conversation could be, you know, if he plays, there's a uh, 10, 15% chance he could strain it again just through the adrenaline of the game. If we give him this week off, then next week there's like a 2% chance he could strain it again. Um, and so they might, you know, they might go for the conservative route or they might just say, hey, he's healthy. You know, if it strains it, he strains it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. We'll see how it turns out. But if Dak plays, we both have the Cowboys winning. But again, a big question that quite honestly, we're not going to know. And, and, and Dak in his own words said that we wouldn't know until Saturday at the earliest. So we shall see. Before we move on and take a trip around the block, have you been to bluestarmotorgroup.com yet? You, you need to go. If you're looking for a vehicle or you're going to be in the market for a vehicle in the near future, I would keep their name in mind. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Deb and her husband, Mike, you can give them a call. You can shoot her a text, 817-881-4066. It's all makes and models. Superior quality, Carfax certified pre-owned vehicles like this beast that they just got in not that long ago. It is a 2020 Toyota Tundra. It is a 2WD, two-wheel drive, platinum crew max. It's got a five-and-a-half-foot bed. This thing is a beast of a truck, man. They've got it for just over 50,000, and it barely has 40,000 miles on it. Dude, I'm telling you, man, the way to go is through Blue Star Motor Group. Let somebody else take that big 20 or 30% hit that happens the moment you drive a brand-new car off the lot. And go get that same car for Blue Star Motor Group for a fraction of the cost, man. I've done that with a bunch of cars over my lifetime. It's the best way to go. And then with Deb, man, you're talking about somebody who's the ultimate deal maker. She ain't got to check with nobody. You make an offer. And she can she can decide right then, hey, let's do it. Or, you know, let's uh, go back and forth for a little bit. But she makes all the rules, man. She answers all the questions. She handles everything. She is omnipotent when it comes to making a deal at Blue Star Motor Group. And the other thing I like about her and Mike, man, is all about win-win. They want you to be happy when you sign the paperwork and the deal is done. And they want you to come back for your next car or send a friend for your next car. And that only happens if you love the customer service, you love the relationship, and you love the deal that you get. That's true. And, and one thing that's awesome about Blue Star Motor Group is they've got some, I mean, elite-level cars, man. They've got a 2019 Land Rover Range Rover on their website right now. They've got a 2021 Ram 1500 TRX 4x for yeah those are top of the line higher priced uh, options but they also have a 2014 audi for under twenty eight thousand dollars and just now on their website at bluestarmotorgroup.com this will be gone quick i can promise you this they've got a 2016 volkswagen jetta it does not have forty thousand miles less than forty thousand miles and they've got it for eighteen thousand dollars boom a price for every budget that's what I'm saying, man. So jump on there right now. Check them out. It's bluestarmotorgroup.com. Make sure you let Deb know that you heard about them on the Jam Session podcast. They're big listeners, man. Y'all will have a great chat about how crazy we are. So shoot her a text, 817-881-4066 at Blue Star Motor Group. Also, of course, and this is our final time, for a while anyway, with Beer Geek Shop in downtown Rockwall. They have been a sponsor since day one of the podcast. They were with us on the radio show, and they've got some big plans coming up that we'll be excited to tell you about down the road. 
but they are using all their extras right now, focusing on their future, which is really cool what they've got in the works. And so we've appreciated them for so long, man. They're wonderful people. One of my favorite places, absolutely love Beer Geek Shop. I can promise you this, whether they sponsor again or not, when I am in town visiting my family in Rockwall, I will be going to Beer Geek Shop for as long as I'm going to Rockwall. I, I love it. Everything is available in singles. The customer service, you just feel like when you go in there, you're a part of the family. And they still listen. I mean, they're still big podcast listeners. So no matter what, you can always go in there and be like, hey, I heard about you guys on Jam Session, and they're going to get you taken care of. Nah, man, I, I, I love uh, Beer Geeks because they really helped my introduction to craft beer. Uh, Deja was great. First time she says, hey, what kind of flavors do you like? Do you like this? Do you like that? And as I'm telling her, you can see her mind working. She goes, hey, try these. And she gave me a couple to try. One of them was, uh, was fantastic. And uh, shoot, man, ever since then, man, I would go to her and say, hey, I, I want to try something like this. What you got? And she'll hook me up with something. She's great at matching your palate to a craft beer. And uh, just go out there and give her a whirl, man. Yeah, it's fantastic. And again, this is your final weekend. This final weekend in October is your final chance to get that jam session six pack, six beers, three that I chose, three that Jacques chose all together in one six pack. And Beer Geek Shop has it right now for $19.99, but only through the end of October. And then it's gone forever. So get out there and support them, man. It's local. They're family owned. They're great peeps. And it's a great place. It's Beer Geeks Shop in downtown Rockwall. So let's do take this trip around the block. And I have some interesting things here that I have come across. I've I don't know. lately. I have been. And, and there's just some <laughs> weird things. First off, and this happened today. This is one of the weirdest things to me. Did you see that Facebook has announced they are changing their name to Meta? I'm like, why? What are we doing? And so apparently it is because Facebook is creating a metaverse in which they believe is the next generation of the internet that is essentially a virtual world, a virtual environment that will allow people to be present with each other in digital spaces. Okay, what does that mean? So it, it, it's a 3D immersive environment shared by multiple users in which you would interact with each other via avatars. So did you ever see the Bruce Willis movie Surrogates? No. Well, it's kind of, it sounds like, and, and obviously that was a little bit further into the future, but it sounds like it'll be a world kind of like Sims. And a lot of people are familiar with Sims where you could get on and talk, but they will be creating an online world in which you basically live online and, and you've created an avatar for yourself. You have these online relationships of the avatar that's somehow connected to you and you know as as technology advances and this is kind of where the bruce willis movie surrogates went down the rabbit hole on this is we are about to within the next 20 years i was reading something earlier that they believe we'll get to a point that like a lot of these jobs that people work like fast food industry grocery stores you they you won't see any humans there oh i absolutely believe that and for I mean, one reason, you're like, why they can't do it. They're going to because see. the companies will make colossally more money. It'll, it, there'll never be mistakes. There'll never be human error. It'll be the most efficient, streamlined production they can have. And there's never any talk back. There's never any customer complaints. It's, Bro. it's perfect and it's consistent every time. What about the Amazon store that's already working yeah. like that? Yeah. 
So <laughs> we're not that far away because AI is being developed right now where it is going to be, and I, I don't think it'll be 20 years. It's probably before that. It is it, it's extrapolating on itself almost to where the, the development of the level of artificial intelligence that we're at right now is about to overtake a lot of those types of jobs. So when that happens, what are people going to do? There is this theory that a lot of people will start living essentially online, finding ways and and working in these online worlds to make money in a sense. I just, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what an online world does. Like what is, it's like our world, but you're online. So instead of leaving your house, you sit in front of your computer or more likely what it would be is you put your, your virtual reality helmet on or your mask or whatever you lay down and you're just wandering through this world that's been created. It's, it's you in a virtual real realistic world. God dog, man. Dude, you need to. So <laughs> surrogates came out in 2009. And basically what it is, is, is a, the surrogate in this world is a humanoid remote controlled robot. And that's what these people do. It's Bruce Willis and his wife is played by Rosamund Pike. And they all they both have their own room. They get in these tubes. And then their surrogate self is out in the world. And that's what is out in the world that does everything. And they never even leave their house. Damn. Yeah, it's bizarre. That's wild, bro. But that is what Facebook is trying to create with this metaverse is this ability essentially that you you kind of live online you'll spend you could have relationships you could do things virtual reality is getting to a point where you could actually have sex with somebody in the virtual reality world and you know you believe it's really happening so you would feel it and your brain would interpret it and experience it i mean we've seen people that have done things virtual reality where you like you tell them hey walk to the edge of the plank even though they're on carpet on a floor but their brain thinks that they're about to jump off a building and you see them and they freak out and they stumble and they fall to the carpet, of course. But you know what? I could. OK, I get it because it's you know what? I have to think of it more as a 3D virtual experience. You know, like I, I did one of those yes, like, virtual ex- right. reality experiences. Yep. And so, yeah, if I if I think about it like that, I go, oh, OK, I, I get that. I see how you could you could do that. And what you're saying is instead of just this being this 10 minute. 15 minute flick movie I went to it would just be that would be your world right and so you think about it like so for instance say that you're somebody who isn't good with women or you don't find yourself attractive whatever you can get online create an avatar of yourself that is the image of what you want to portray to people and then you go online and they see that image or whatever and they're interacting with you and you're hiding in a sense behind it but that becomes what you are presenting to this metaverse world and then these Damn. other people interact, and who knows? I mean, you might be doing it with some 55-year-old, 5,000-pound dude in his mom's basement, but his avatar is some smoking hot chick. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, man. So Metaverse, <laughs> the term was originally coined in a novel called Snow Crash, which came out in 1992, and it refers to, it's a term that refers to the convergence of physical, augmented, and virtual reality in a shared online space. You okay, dude, I'm I'm stoked because the future is happening and we're so close. We're so close to all that stuff that we thought we were going to have by this time. I mean, think about this. The iPhone came out in 2007, the original iPhone. Jeez, that was 14 years ago. Think about how all the technological creations, all the different apps, all the things you can do on your phone now 
that before the iPhone came out in 07, we, were, we wouldn't have any understanding of. It's amazing when you think about it. So think about that and think about 14 years into the future in 2035. Wow. And think about what might be possible. I think it's badass. It's amazing. I mean, I can't wait. I I mean, you know, there are all these theories out there that eventually, you know, and you can go watch these tests that they do with these these robots and stuff. Hell, man, when I was at my league's draft and we went down to NASA, we watched them. They have these robots now that and I talked about that a little bit. These six foot two robots that are capable of bending steel, but also are capable of processing information and holding a conversation with you. They exist now. They're just trying to figure out how to make them to where you can sell them and everybody will have one in your house. My goodness. I mean, oh, man, it's wild. The future is going to be badass. And then once this starts to happen, I mean, you look about how quickly technology develops. Once you have these breakthroughs and then you're just developing it faster and faster and faster. You know, I almost wish I was my son because I bet his generation and maybe it's maybe it's a generation after, but we will have figured out how to travel close enough to the speed of light to reach Alpha Centauri and some of these other, you know, livable planets and galaxies that are close to where we are right now. Man, sounds like some other Star Wars. I know, man. Star Trek, but we're but so it's, close. It's going to be awesome. But it's here. I, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. We're very close. And I bet it is Maddox's generation where they will get to choose how long they want to live. Because think about that. If we can eradicate disease and with the development of artificial intelligence and their ability to process and do things at an extraordinarily faster rate than we ever could, we'll be able to eradicate disease. And if you eradicate that, it's going to get to a point, and I don't think we're that far from it, where the only thing that kills you is accident. Damn. Think about that. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm getting old. My heart's going to give out. That's okay. We'll replace it with with this mechanical heart. You know what? You're right. You know, what about my brain, you know, but you can keep your brain as long as your brain has energy and oxygen. Now your skin might get old, but then we'll figure out, okay, well, what genetic coding do we need to do that slows down the process of your body's effect and gravity's effect on it and all that? I don't know what anti-vaxxers take that shot. No, of course not. And then all the people that are, you know, 25 (laughs) years old, but living till they're 198 will just be (laughs) chuckling to themselves. No, nah, it's just funny. It's uh, nah, dude. Uh, it's 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 wild. It is. It is. It is fascinating. The other thing that I came across, and I don't know, have you ever seen The Office, the TV show? No. Okay, I didn't think so. Well, one of the actors. I on know the, about it though. Right. One of the actors on The Office, his name is B.J. Novak, and he played the character Ryan. And so Ryan from The Office, if you know that at all, if you're an Office fan, well, B.J. Novak when he first started out in his career, apparently he had some pictures of him that were sold on the public domain. And he now, I mean, he's a recognizable actor. I mean, anybody who watches The Office would know immediately who he is. His picture is featured on all sorts of products in all sorts of countries across the world. And he ain't getting a nickel from it. No, because it's public domain. And he thinks it's kind of funny. He's like, it's it's just more amusing than anything else at this point. Like, he's on a face painting product in Uruguay. He, I, I saw him on some Halloween costume, like the random guy that the Halloween costume is on. <laughs> I mean, he, it's it's all over the place. Like, I mean, ran, like a hair care, like, you know, men need to shave. And, and like the electric razor box, his face is on that in all these different right. countries. He's on a bottle of Calvin Klein perfume in Sweden. Gee, what do you got? Like just a 
likable face. Yeah, he's got just that likable, you know, generic face that makes sense. My God. Isn't that nuts? Okay. Because, you know, there's a chance you could buy a, a picture frame and the photo in the frame that it comes with is BJ <laughs> Novak. I get it. I thought about I like doing that once. I, I I wish that I had done it when I was in college because now I could never, it would not be allowed, but... I think it would be awesome if you just buy a bunch of frames and leave the pictures that it comes with in the frame and you just put them up in your house and people come over they're like, oh, who's this? And then you can just make just up make a story up or whatever. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, I like that. You know, especially as an actor. Dude, that's a good idea. Yeah, that'd be I like hilarious. That. I like that. Like you have all these random ass, like just pictures. People are like, I mean, who's that? You're like, oh yeah, it's my cousin Sheila. I didn't know you had a cousin named Sheila. Well, you know, she died like back in 1998, but I kept that picture of her because she's a nice chick or whatever. You know, you can just, I mean, you can make up all kinds of things. Unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. All right. So I I, I found out some news in my neighborhood that I I feel bad because we live in a neighborhood and, and there's like a neighborhood Facebook group and there's messages and everything, but they are legit going to be celebrating Halloween in our neighborhood on Sunday night. You mean during the Cowboys game? Yeah, and I was like, no. Nope, we're not <laughs> We're not having the doorbell ring and people knocking, and we're not doing that on Sunday night. So now we got to figure out what to do because there's a bunch of little kids that live in the neighborhood. And I always enjoy, you know, I think it's fun to open the door and you're like, oh, you know, hey, you know. And I was thought, well, I got, we could put some candy out front. Right. But then how, how quickly is it until the, the one kid comes along that's like, oh, my God, we hit the jackpot. I think that's just like that's calf, just a risk you have to take. And I think part of it is, um, you know, you put if you've got a let's just say a full bag, maybe you start off with a quarter of the bag and, you know, whatever plastic pumpkin you got outside or whatever. Yeah. And you see how long that lasts. And if it's it's going at a fairly regular rate, maybe you can put half of the bag in there or two thirds of it or whatever, you know, and ration it out, you know, to see until you get a real good feel for how the neighborhood's going. Yeah, and, it, and Halloween is always fun. It's interesting because in Dallas, of course, one of our favorite breweries, Celestial Beer Works, celebrates their anniversary every Halloween because that's when they open. And their third anniversary party is this weekend. And, you know, we got to miss that, which is a bummer. But it, it's we've always enjoyed dressing up. But here it, it's, we, you know, we, don't, we haven't really made any friends or anything yet that we hang out with. So it's like, oh, I guess we could just dress up with each other. And then I was like, isn't that role play? <laughs> Like, don't we have to have friends like that? We go to a party or something or, you know, you, you raised a very good point. Yeah. So I don't know. And, and I enjoy Halloween, but man, this is, there's a lot of good college football on this weekend and the Cowboys playing on Halloween night. You know, I mean, we're all going to be dialed into that. I thought about putting just a note on the door, like, please don't knock or ring the doorbell. Cowboys are on. Now, nah, because then you'll get a bunch of. Too many people say, <laughs> and ring the doorbell. Yeah, because of the Cowboys. I hate them. Go Packers. Yeah, or whatever. Or whatever. Nah, nah, yeah. that's not a good route to go. Yeah, you're right. I think you just got to leave leave something out on the on the porch, man, and you know let it ride. Or what I could do is leave that note. Please don't ring the doorbell. The Cowboys are on, and hook up an electrical shock thing to the doorbell, so when they touch it, it, it shocks them. Now, see, that would be some McLaren stuff. I would love to see the video for that. Yeah, see, and I wish I, wish I, was, I, I had, like, that level of engineering where I could figure out how to do that. And then you have, like, this little noise box that goes, ha, 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 told you not to ring. Ha, 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 told you not well, to ring. You know, you know that would, what that reminds me of, man, is you know that, uh, have you ever seen that show on TV? 
where the guy either has um, I've seen it two ways. One was a phone and he walks around with his phone and he like accidentally leaves it places. And then when people try to swipe it, um, he sets oh, off yeah, yeah. Yeah, a I've buzzer seen and they go crazy. Or better yet is when he leaves his bike and he's got the seat rigged like that. And so somebody comes and steal the bike and they're flying. And then all of a sudden they get electrocuted and fly off the bike. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, th- th- that that might be the same guy that does it where he would leave Amazon packages on his porch and he rigged it up to where there would be like a knocking noise or something on a timer. Right. And then when they opened it, it would just explode like blue ink or whatever all over their cars and stuff. Yeah, that too. Which yeah. was hilarious. I was like, oh, it teaches you to pirate, like <laughs> steal stuff off somebody's porch, you asshole. Exactly. Oh, it's exactly. the best. It is absolutely the best. All right, before we get into our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr., let's tell you about False Idol Brewing. If you haven't been out yet, you are missing out. And I will tell you this, it'll be available this weekend because they are releasing it in cans on Friday. They released this, man, it's probably been eight months, maybe nine months ago. Blue Magic, which is one of the very, in my opinion, one of the very best beers, double IPAs that they have ever put out. It is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it is... I messaged him. I was like, hey, man, if you guys can get me any of that out here, that would be awesome. But <laughs> yeah, False Idol Brewing right there in North Richland Hills. And of course, keep in mind, every Friday is the day that they release their new beers. So anytime you're over there on a Friday, you get an opportunity to pick up the new beers that come out. They are releasing the Blue Magic. It's a double IPA. It's double dry hopped with Citra Strata and Amarillo hops. And they are also releasing their Macho Mug Vienna Lager. So those will be the new, the beers that they are releasing in cans this weekend on Friday. So swing by and get it because, I mean, last time when they released that Blue Magic, it sold out in less than a week. I mean, that thing, it went fast. Wow. It's it's good. Like, it's legit. It's They do a ton of hazy IPAs. I mean, they do, they're doing a hazy double or triple IPA every week. This is one of the top three I've ever had from them. Dude. It's awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. it's crazy good. Like really, really, really good. And that's False Idol Brewing that is right there in North Richland Hills, just north of 183 off Boulevard 26. It's local. It's family owned. So support those guys. They're good dudes at False Idol Brewing. Oh, it is time, man. We do it every week. You guys know it. He is brought to you by Soda Weight Loss, and he joins us now. Longtime Cowboys beat writer from the Fort Worth Star Telegram. The master of the unspoken language, it is Clarence Hill Jr. <laughs> and Chill, man, what's your take on Dak and everything that he was telling you guys out there at the Star this week? How do you view this situation? You know, it's, it's, it's funny because, uh, I mean, I, I think Dak is going to play. I got a bet with Todd Archer, Todd Oliver bet. He says he's not going to play. I say he's going to play. I don't, I don't know what Todd is doing, but, but from everything we're hearing, everything we're seeing, He's going to play. You know, to me, uh, it's, it's not just what he's doing in practice. And, and you know, talking to Mario Cooper today, he said, I don't even know he's hurt. You know, he don't look like he has any limitations. Uh, but the fact that he's taking all the first-team reps and walkthroughs, the middle reps and walkthroughs, although he's not doing team, but he's doing all the middle reps and walkthroughs, taking all the first-team reps and walkthroughs, shows that they're, they're getting him ready to play. And if they weren't getting him ready to play, why would you not give Cooper Rush every rep in every situation to play? Because he needs it. No matter what they say about what we saw and we believe in Cooper being in the system, 
he ain't played in the regular season. You know, he has shown us nothing in the regular season. There's nothing in his uh, resume repertoire that says that you can trust Cooper Rush to to to, to uh, play well and win. And so, if, if you're gearing towards Cooper Rush playing, then why are you not giving him everything in practice? Not just his live reps and team, but also the mental reps and walkthroughs to get ready to play this game. I get that. I get that. I think. Uh, I think. There's been there's been some talk on Twitter for whatever that's worth about hey it doesn't matter uh, you can sit back down play Cooper Rush we can afford we can afford to lose this game and I'm like people this is about the NFC this ain't about the uh, NFC East bingo bingo that's where we are that's where this season is and you know they're talking to Dak and everybody else they are rightly cautious and being smart about the situation saying that we don't want it to linger. Okay, we understand it's early in the season. If there's a situation where we can have a setback or there's something that we can layer for several weeks, yes, we're going to sit him. And, and that's what you should do. But if, if that's not the case, and he can play, and what he's showing you in fact, he said he has no limitations with the offense running plays where it goes. If that's the case, it's not a situation where it's something you're going to re-aggravate and linger that's not ready to go. Then you will sit him. But if that's not the case, then, then you play him because it's not just about the NFC East anymore. You, you own NFCs. It's about playoff positioning. Whether you want to admit it or not, you know, Dak told us today, we, we feel we're a super focused in And everybody in the locker room feels that way. Certainly, we're focusing one game at a time, but we feel that we're a super focused in You know, Michael Parker was talking about today because I was talking about, you know, you got 11 games left. He said, oh, we got 14 games left. I said, I'm, my bad for my, after, my, my math is wrong. He said, I'm going to do the math. We got 14 games left. It ain't just 11 games left. He's talking super Bowl. That's the mindset. Uh, for this team, and so they're looking at the big picture. When you look at the Super Bowl, the big picture, you have to understand how important home field advantage and playoff positioning is. It's not just about the number one seed, but it's about you know all of that stuff because you're talking about Arizona, you're talking about Green Bay, you're talking about Tampa Bay. Where would you want to be? You want to go to Tampa? You want to go to Green Bay? Or you want to be here? Yeah, that that's basically what I said. I I don't know how you could think that this game doesn't carry a lot of weight. I mean, this, this is an extremely important game to continue keeping pace, especially with the idea. I mean, we, we don't know how tonight's going to turn out, but if, if Green Bay loses, you got a chance to jump them. If Arizona loses, you're going to play them later in the year. I mean, you got to yeah. keep pace with all these other teams that are six and one or seven and zero oh right now in Arizona's case in the NFC. Right, no doubt, and and right, and and that's just it. You know, uh, it, it, again, we're we're going to assume, rightly assume, that the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs. They're the best in the NFC. We're going to rightly assume they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the NFC. Now, you know, we got to worry about those next steps, okay? And what they need to do to give themselves a better, the best chance to win the Super Bowl. And you, you hit nail on the head. You know, you know, you you if you play Arizona late in the year, that, that game could have huge playoff, you know. Uh, implications. And you look at this schedule, and the thing about it is, is, you know, the thing is playing out so well for the Cowboys because, yes, Dak got hurt, but he got hurt with a bye week coming up. How fortunate is that that you got the record? Because if he was asked to play last week, he wouldn't have been able to play. But you got a chance to have the bye week, you have to get him to come back and play. And then you look at the schedule that once we thought was daunting. Well, Kansas City don't look so daunting anymore. <laughs> You know, New Orleans ain't as daunting as we thought it was. You know, and you do have that game against Arizona looming out there. But look at the rest of the schedule. You know, Denver, the Raiders, 
you know, the Vikings, you know, I don't know if there's a game on the schedule right now that the Cowboys will be underdogs in. And that includes Arizona, based on what we know right now, because that game was at AT&T Stadium. That may be a pick'em game, but I don't know if the Cowboys will be underdogs in any game the rest of the way. Well, that means, uh, you know, you need to put 13 of them up at least and then see where right. see where that lands you. Yeah, you have to put 13 of them get in that conversation because that's what it is because the cream is, 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 is definitely rising and people are separating themselves. You know, because we know that the, you, know, you talk about the Rams, you talk, I don't know, but they don't, one of them are going to knock each other off. The Arizona's going to beat the Rams once. And I think they beat them at L.A. So they, you know, they can knock the Rams down at another pitch. You know, and so, you know, all that stuff, you know, matters. These games matter. Really, this is not baseball or basketball. They know load management. They know resting <laughs> you, if you can play. Because there's only 17 of them. There's only 16 of them. There's only 17 of them. And all these games are important as far as momentum, as far as playoff positioning. I think that, that that's all part of, you know, the Cowboys' mindset. You know, why they're considering sitting him. Why they may play him. Why they may the move on IL. You know, it's, it's all about winning. Matt McCarty told us, you know, today, all this is about winning. All these decks and all this stuff is about winning and where they are in, in the conference and, and trying to make a push for the Super Bowl. So, yeah, we should consider all of that. And they're right to consider sitting him if he can't play. <laughs> but if he can't play, you have to play him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, part of that, man, the other story out there at, at the uh, start that I'm really interested in is we thought Lyle Collins come back, get his tackle spot back, and all of a sudden it's like, let's put him at guard. <laughs> now, is that about Connor Williams or is that about, hey, Lyle, we pissed at you and Terrence Steele has proved that he can handle the spot? I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, totally, and, and I, I would say this to him blue in the face, Lyle did this to himself. You know, if you, oh, yeah. you know the story, you know the story. Lyle had that suspension down to two games. And and, yeah. and he accepted two games suspension. Then they decided, no, we don't want a two-game suspension. We want to fight it. And it got put back up to five games. If he's just out of two games, you know, Tampa Bay and the Chargers and Steel plays, we know he has to start job back in week three. He doesn't give Steel a chance to, to get some momentum. And, and Mike, Mike McCarthy say, have his line gave some chemistry because he talked about chemistry. On the offensive line, those guys playing together, and they, you know, they, they got a good rhythm going. He doesn't want to mess that up. You know, so that, that's part of the thought process. And, and, and Connor Williams is part of it. They don't really want to bid Connor Williams, but they do recognize that Connor Williams, I'm Connor Williams has struggled. And, you know, if there's a chance to, to, to make what's strong stronger, then if Connor Williams continues to mess up, then we have a viable option at left guard in Leon Collins, and we have a very suitable option to play right tackle and that you feel good about, that you're confident in because you gave some confidence and some trust in our Steelers plan. I mean, I think it's all of it. And, yeah, you're pissed, you know, that Collins let it get to this. They're not going to say it. You're pissed that he could have had two games, and now he can, it became five games. They're, they're pissed that uh, he put himself in this situation. And let's be honest, they're also pissed that, that he got Dak kind of thrown into the muck, you know, because, you know, Dak is one of his closest friends and, and certainly testified for him and appeals and, you know, hoping to, you know, help him in that situation. But he did not think, no one thought that his, his stuff would be made public and his stuff calling the the, uh, the tested guy uh, ODW and all this stuff <laughs> is made public. So he, I mean, I mean, he says the right things, and he don't, you know, he's going to support his guy. But no one wanted that public. 
than what he said right, about right. the test. He said in the locker room. They didn't want that public. It only became public and law. Look at the court. They wanted to fight it. <laughs> um, I think the other thing is, man, if we looking at the big picture and keeping it real, I think the Cowboys go, ultimately, if we want to replace Connor Williams, we put Lyle over there. He still got, you know, he'll be a much better guard in December than it would be in November. So if we're going to make that move, let's go on and make it so we can start the transition. And by the time the playoffs roll around, that five-man unit should be solidified. Well, you know, the thing about it is that the things I like about McCarthy is that, and what he's doing this year is, you know, they're not afraid to make moves. They're like getting rid of Jalen or whatever else. So they're not afraid to, to again, do something like this. But it's all about trying to improve the team and continuing to improve the team. Because we, we've all said it. You know, they have open competition practice every day. They got it at center. Because, you know, Connor McGovern and Connor Williams are still taking reps to center, and, you know, because they're not happy with what they're getting from Tyler Biotis. You know, they, right, that right, thing right. is not done. Okay, and so the same thing with the left guard position. We're gonna to try to improve that position. They're trying to improve our position, and, and and they're doing that. They're doing the right thing, and, and 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 that's why you feel good about it because you know they're constantly pushing the buttons on this team, on this roster to put the best guys out there. That's why it was funny when everybody was talking to Jerry last week about trading for somebody. Man, he said like, I'm worried about who we're gonna cut for the guys that's coming back. We got guys. <laughs> we got guys that still want to cut. And y'all talking about trade for guys. Where, we, where they going to play? Where we going to put them? You know, you got to find room for Neville Gallimore, Tristan Neal, and DeMarcus, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. Who are you going to cut from the guys that you got playing that you like playing? Certainly that stuff worked its way out, you know, but but those are things that you have to consider. But again, the Cowboys are, you know, Mike McCarthy, they're not resting on their law. They're resting on what they've done. They're continually you know, moving guys in and moving, you know, and, and giving guys opportunities to c- contribute, and, and you like that. How do you think that they're going to try and handle the wide receiver duo of Jefferson and Thielen? Do you think that they'll put digs on one of those guys and just try to shadow them? And, and if so, which one do you do you try to eliminate? Well, you try to eliminate Jefferson. I mean, I I, I think that you, 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 you try to put digs on Jefferson and, and, and then you, you maybe bracket Thielen. But 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 that's what you want to what you want to do now. You, you go back to college and and <laughs> they want that great against Jefferson in college now. I mean, you know, well, of course they had Joe Burrow. That, that's a whole different deal. Yeah. But the, 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 what you know this week is that there will not be a situation where they're running away from Diggs. They will be throwing the ball at their receivers. If Diggs is covering one of them, that means he's going to also get a chance to pick off one. But they're going to go at it. And that leads to this, man. Defensively, how do you think they uh, handle Minnesota in general? Because they can run it, and they can throw it with Dalvin Cook. No, I mean, you, 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 first of all, you've got to stop the run and, and, and make Kirk Cousins beat himself. That's what you got to do. you got to stop the run. You know, and so they, they got to find a way to handle Dalvin Cook and then, you know, get, get after the quarterback. You know, the Cowboys have a good pass rush, uh, and, and th- that's part of it. I, mean, I think they have a rookie tackle that's going against Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is playing some of the best football on this team. You know, let him eat. You know, let him get out to Kirk Cousins. You know, uh, you got to stop the run, and you know, you feel good about your pass defense. You know, again, this is a situation where you know the Vikings also have to keep up with the Cowboys' offense. You know, and the, and the Cowboys' offense, you know, may be doing a good job of running the ball and and keeping the Vikings off the field. It's just another one of those games where the Vikings have a good defense on paper, but who are they face? What, what type of rookie game have they face? It's like when Carolina came to town with their top defense, ain't played nobody. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's true. It's fair. Ain't play nobody. It's a little, it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different when you play Dallas. So how how do I was gonna say, man, they gave up twenty seven to the Bengals, thirty four to the Cardinals the first two weeks. You can move the, the ball last, on them. Yeah, in the last four weeks they played Seattle. Uh, they did a good job against Cleveland, Detroit, and Carolina. So they ain't you know. They ain't been no great offenses the last month. Yeah, and, 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 and listen, we respect the names on Cleveland, but Cleveland ain't been Cleveland all season. They ain't been the Cleveland offense that we expected all season. Right, right, right. You know, so, but yeah, the Carolina, Detroit, they ain't played, they, you know, they, they, they've not shown that, you know, they're, they're that type of defense yet. Yeah, that's true, man. And, and and Chubb and Hunt in that game, I know, I know Chubb hit a hundred yards, and and Hunt had like seventy or something. I mean, they 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 moved the ball on the ground. Cleveland did against yeah, Minnesota. Baker. Yeah, Baker, Baker has not been Baker. You know, yeah. the past game that we thought would be so great with Baker and OBJ and those tight ends. I mean, they got a they got weaponry, but I, I don't really get why the Cleveland offense is struggling. Yeah, I don't know either. That is kind of one of those weird questions of the year that that. It, I just I, I've never really bought into Baker. I mean, honestly, I, I thought he was kind of like a Kirk Cousins type guy. Yeah, I understand that, but but with those weapons, you know, it should be pitching catch. Yeah, it's true. You know? Kirk Cousins would be better <laughs> with those guys. <laughs> it should be, be pitching catch. I mean, goodness gracious, but he's not been healthy. Odell Beckham has not been healthy. I mean, you know, so there, there's some issues there. But but again, the, 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 just getting back to what we're talking about is that you know the Vikings. Defense still has a lot to prove. So how's this turn out? The Cowboys going to win on Sunday night? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I just don't see, the, you know, what the Vikings have done, what they've shown that, that, that they can beat the Vikings. Now, this is not a slam dunk. Uh, this is going to be a tough game. It's been a tough game for the defense. You know, we talked about those receivers, talked about that running game. But, you know, the, the Cowboys, because like you team last year with a lesser player quarterback in Minnesota. Cooper Rush. You believe in Cooper Rush? <laughs> I mean, Jesse Garrett didn't believe in him. He made Dak play with one arm back in 2019 or whatever that was. God, man, the, the the love for Cooper Rush is so bizarre. <laughs> I mean, they tried to get a job. They, they tried. Let me tell you something. They can say all they want to about Cooper Rush. All we know is this. When 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 they, when they brought Cooper Rush back, even though he knows the offense, they, they gave him above Texas the job last year, okay, against Pittsburgh, even though he had been right. there two weeks. Cooper Rush knows the offense. Been knowing, uh, been knowing Gary, I mean, the, the Kelly Moore offense. They did not get a key to Cooper Rush. was already in the system on the team. They gave it to Gary Gilbert. Gary Gilbert, they tried to give him the backup job throughout the offense. He took all the first team runs who Dak was hurt. <laughs> all season, mini camp, training camp. Then he peed down his leg and said, okay, we got to go with Cooper Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I don't really get it, man. But uh, yeah, so I mean, but, rush but, players. But they, but they have to say what they have to say. They have to say that we. Man, I remember when they was. What's the? Uh, I can't even think. Danucci. I remember when Danucci was getting ready to start against uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So he's bringing it. There was so much positivity about Danucci in practice. He's slinging it. He was slinging it all right. 
We don't know where it's going with the wild thing, but yes, there was so much. So they have to say what they have to say because he's all their guy. Right. But we've seen it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've i never understood the Cooper Rush love. I, it's, I don't know. I don't get it. Oh, yeah. I forgot. They got Will Greer. He's another option. I'd rather use Will he Greer, is, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, again, maybe that. And Will Greer don't know the offense or whatever. I don't know. But the bottom line, he just got here. And, and you know, he, his reason why he was cut, too. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clarence Hill Jr., as always, man, good conversation. We appreciate it. I right, appreciate it, guys. All right. All see right. you. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of those weird things with Cooper Rush. I mean, we're talking about a dude who hasn't thrown a pass since 2017 in the NFL and has only ever completed one NFL pass. One. He's completed one pass in his life ever in the NFL. Bro. <laughs> it is what it is, man. He's done a great job of making money and protecting his body. But, dude, I, I, have, I have a friend, a close friend, who for years, until the last couple of years, would not would beat the drum every time Dak like threw a pick or missed a receiver or whatever, would just, oh, they, I don't know why they don't try Cooper Rush. I'm like, what the, what really? is wrong? I, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and I mean, now, obviously, <sighs> I think you get it. But think about this. Cooper Rush, in his five seasons in the NFL, has made $2.9 million. Just for stand, he's thrown one pass, or, or he's completed one pass. That means he is getting two million nine hundred and forty-four thousand dollars per completion at this point. It's impressive. Well, dude, I mean, you know, he makes his money during the off season and the training camp, convincing the coaches to believe in him. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, I mean, what I'm that's saying? pretty awesome. Yeah, that's when he does his. That's when he does his heavy lifting, and and you could argue it's not his fault he ain't had a chance to play in the league. I guess, as back, except as a backup. You know, right? Yeah, I mean, you never know when somebody in front of you is going to get injured. I mean, hell, if he right, he, he could have had his shot last year, but he wasn't here. Right. So you know? sucks for him. I do think it's interesting, though. I've, I've we've had a couple of people reach out to us on Twitter. This whole backup quarterback bit, and anytime something like this flares up with Dak, and I saw it again last week. I think this idea of why doesn't Jerry spend money on a backup quarterback? And and I thought, I mean, did you guys not see Andy Dalton last year? <laughs> They did spend money on a backup quarterback. He sucked. Dude. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of reasons. So Jerry spent money on a backup quarterback. He's not spent money on a backup quarterback. He's tried to draft one. Uh, that was Dak, and that turned out great. Yeah. Don't forget, Dak was drafted to be the backup developmental quarterback. That's true. And it just so happened, uh, <laughs> you know, it was wild, man, as I was telling my dude this story at dinner last night. Uh, I said, well, you know how Dak got to be quarterback, right? And he goes, no. I go, well, yeah, man. He was a third-string guy. And then uh, Cooper, I mean, Kellen Moore got hurt, broke his ankle. And then Tony Romo got hurt. Dak became the quarterback, yep. had the opportunity, played great, and never gave the job up. And obviously I was telling that story because I was telling my dude who's playing high school football, like, yo, you got to keep grinding, man, because you never know when opportunity's coming and you can't get ready. You got to stay ready. Yeah, that's very true. It's – it's just one of those things. I mean, you look around the league at backup quarterbacks. There's a reason why they are a backup quarterback. I mean, who do you, who do you want? Joe Flacco? Because Flacco was was with the Eagles, and then now, and that's one thing about the Jets, who, I mean, the you guys, the Jets went into this season 
with their top two quarterbacks having never thrown a pass in the NFL? Nope. Because Zach Wilson was a rookie. He got hurt. Mike White made his NFL through his first pass in an NFL game last week when Zach Wilson got hurt. That blew that's, my mind. That's Mike White from Western Kentucky who used to play yeah. for your Dallas Cowboys. Former fifth-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. There you go. Yeah, can't trade those fifth-round picks, man. You need those. Those are value. I will say, though, it is impressive that they drafted a quarterback in the fifth round and he's still in the league four or five years later. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. There is something to be said for that. So before we move on, have you swung by Freeway Tire Shop yet? Did you do what you were supposed to do and take your vehicles, take all your cars, all your needs, your state inspections, your oil changes? Have you done what Jacques did, which is take literally, I mean, I don't even know how many cars you have anymore, 103? <laughs> and every single one of them, JR, has gotten his crew on. And, and, you know, you tell people all the time, really the reason why you continually take every car you have over there is you trust them. It's about trust. Dude, it's always about trust for me and cars because, let me be honest, I don't know much about cars other than where to put some oil and where to put some gas. And, oh, yeah, put some air in the tires. I know how to do that. Uh, so, for me, it's always about can you trust a mechanic. And JR, I mean, he's the best, man, because I trust him to diagnose what's wrong with the car. I trust him to use quality parts to fix the car. Then, you know, I trust him to charge me a fair price, man, which he does. And then I trust him to stand behind his work, which he does. He's fantastic. The customer service is on point. It's the best I've ever had. And if you got a problem with a car or you need an inspection or you need an oil change, there's no better place to go than Freeway Tire. That's exactly right, man. It's just north of downtown Dallas. Super easy to get to. They're going to blow your mind. It is competitive pricing. It is elite, elite, elite customer service. Finally, a mechanic you can trust. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can request a quote or schedule an appointment online at freewaytireshop.com. So we roll into college football week number nine, believe it or not. After this week, every team will have played two-thirds of their regular season schedule. There are some big ones this week. Of course, the conference that you are affiliated most closely with, it's the 11 a.m. kick on Saturday morning, number six Michigan, number eight Michigan State, right there in East Lansing, both these teams are legit, man. Michigan legitimately can run the ball, and Michigan State legitimately can defend. Their defense is good. Mel Tucker, who, of course, spent a couple of years underneath Nick Saban at Alabama, is the new head coach there at Michigan State from last year. These are legitimate teams, and I think this is going to be a fascinating early morning matchup on Saturday. No, I mean, it's all, this game, even more than most of them, it's going to be all about the line of scrimmage, man, and who can control it and who can impose their will and who can do what they do best. And, uh, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> Michigan State, man. Uh, Tucker's done a fantastic job turning that thing around quickly, and he's done it with the transfer portal. Uh, Michigan, you know, they're trying to play old school football. Um, oh, yeah. No, you know, Michigan State is no longer really their little brother. That series has been even, and Michigan State's won a lot recently. Um, it's going to be uh, – you know, it's going to be a banger game, man. Yeah, they've both got offenses that can put up points, that can move the ball down the field. Michigan's defense is better than Michigan State's defense. I don't think most people realize this. Obviously, Ohio State, we know, and, and it's not even close. I mean, Ohio State's averaging almost 50 points a game. But Michigan and Michigan State are the two top offenses as far as scoring go in the Big Ten behind them. The top defense in the Big Ten conference scoring-wise, it's not Iowa. It's Michigan. 
Michigan has the best scoring defense in the conference, and this is a stout Michigan defense. They're not Wisconsin level, but you know they're up there. They're they're Iowa level. Their defense can can play, and I'll be really curious to see because Michigan State's defense has given up some yardage this year. With Michigan's ability to run the ball, we we may be. I mean, this this may be Harbaugh being like, all right, if you can get past Michigan State, we may be setting up for quite an Ohio State Michigan game this year. Oh yeah, Doc. I because, mean, um, when have you heard that is, before? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's been a few years, but this is a uh, this is a um, this is a Michigan team that's doing something. You know, I think they I can't remember the dude's name, but they changed defensive coordinators yet again. This guy came from the NFL. I want to say he came from the Ravens, but I could be wrong on that. But apparently, he's taken what they've done defensively, really tightened it up, made it much better. And uh, bro, if uh, you know, Ohio State still got to play Penn State, which they play Saturday. And then they've got Michigan State and Michigan the last two games of the year. So, you know, they're going to have to deal with both of them. Both of them really good this year. And yeah. so, dude, the, there's a lot of football left to be played. There is, especially in the Big Ten, because like you, you just mentioned, I mean, all the big games in the Big Ten are at the end, literally within these next few weeks that are coming up here at the end of the year. We also, on Saturday, get to see – if Texas has learned anything, because they will be playing a game that I think most people thought at the beginning of the year, you'd look at this and say, oh, that's an easy one. Texas is on the road. It's an 11 a.m. kick. They are in Waco to take on the number 16 Baylor Bears. This is an interesting one. Baylor is favored by, it's basically because they're at home. They're favored by two and a half. But you look at what Texas has done, that tough loss to OU, then they went out with another tough loss against Oklahoma State. They were on their bye last week. They're trying to avoid a three-game losing streak that would drop them to four and four on the season. This is one of those games that I kind of talked about with Sark. To me, I don't care about beating OU at this level or what you're doing. Go beat Tech. Go beat Baylor. Yeah. I mean, if for us to take you seriously, that's step one. You got to beat those teams that you're supposed to beat, man. If you're Texas and you're on the way back. Exactly. And so to me, it's a it's a good landmark game, benchmark game, just to see like how much we got to pay attention to Texas. Well, and, and uh, Baylor's better. Baylor's a better team than Texas. But if Texas wants to be taken seriously, it's one thing to look at their schedule and say, okay, you lost to OU. You lost to a solid Oklahoma State team. You probably should have beaten them, but you didn't. You lost to an Arkansas team. It is what it is. But this is, if, if you want to still achieve some of the things that I think Sark wanted to be about this season, it yeah. starts with doing it right now. Because you lose to Baylor the next week you've got Iowa State. Iowa State's better than Texas. These are going to be two really interesting games to see exactly where Sark has this program and can you get these guys to perform at the level that you expect because they were right there in it with OU. They were right there in it with Oklahoma State. But at some point, you have to start winning these games because so far what we've seen, beating Tech was cool, beating TCU was cool. But right now, they're trending towards Tom Herman era much like what we saw the last couple of seasons where they, they had these close games against teams they, they had more talent than, but they couldn't pull out. Dude, I mean, I think that's what it's all about. That's about turning the corner. And we can we can stop all the Texas's back stuff. I mean, we'll know it when, when they can do it consistently for a season. And I think when you look at uh, the program, man, you know, it's all about, 
you know, Sark figuring out what he really has, you know, what kind of playmakers he has. You know, obviously, if you look at the recruits that they're signing, it's all about the defensive line right now and trying to get better athletes up there where yeah. you can compete. And, uh, you know, it, it takes time, man. That's really why you don't want to be firing coaches every two and three years. Yep. Because you can never get your program where you want it because you're always starting new. The new coach, no matter whether it's Charlie Strong or Herman or Sark, you got to run off a bunch of guys. Why? Because I got to put my culture in place, and my culture requires these kinds of players. Every coach has got different height, weight requirements for his recruits. Every coach has got, well, I need guys like this to fit my system. And, dude, it just takes time. That's why you hope Sark is the guy and he can hang for a minute and truly get Texas back. Yeah, because reality of it is, and to me, this is like when Tom Herman, a couple of years ago, you will remember, you know, they went nine and four, then won the Sugar Bowl and got to 10 wins. And Sam Ellinger goes, we're back, baby, and all that. And Texas is back. I never bought into that. I was like, okay, well, if you're back, then go out and win nine or 10 games again next year minimum. And they didn't. And, and until they do that, like to me, one season is not showing Texas is back because Texas was never about the one season. Under Mac Brown, it was your floor was nine wins. Now, can you get to the magical 12, 13, 14 wins? And Mac right. Brown was doing that year in and year out. They were in the conversation year in and year out. Now, of course, they only played for two national titles, should have played for a third in 08, but whatever. And that's where they have to get one season of success is not Texas being back. It's Sark coming in and saying, okay, and that's why they still have a chance. You can knock off Baylor. You can knock off Iowa state. You could get to nine and three. That's cool. You're still not back. Go out and do it again in 2022 and get to 10 wins and show that you can, that that's the floor for this program, not the ceiling. No, absolutely, man. And so that's why it's a big game because it's a landmark game. It's a benchmark game. It's a chance to see how far the programs go come and maybe, how far there still is to go. You know, outside of that, really, because Georgia-Florida is this weekend, which usually, you know, it's one of those cool neutral field games where it's 50-50. They played in Jacksonville, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Georgia's so much better than Florida and so much better, really, than pretty much everybody else in the SEC East. I think Kentucky's better than Florida. They showed that, and Georgia wiped the field with Kentucky. I, I mean, this is another one of those games. Now, Florida's got some stuff offensively where they might be able to test that Georgia defense better than they've been tested so far this year. But I still think this is like one of those 37-14 wins that's not even really a game. Dude, until somebody shows me that they can move the ball consistently on Georgia, they're all going to be blowouts. Man, Pretty much. their offense is damn good and their defense is impenetrable. That's the mark of a national champion. Yeah, and this is one of those interesting weeks because th there's only three games that feature ranked on ranked. And we already talked about the one, the 6-8 matchup. Saturday night, if you're a fan at all of SEC football or uh, fun football, 6 o'clock on ESPN is number 10 Ole Miss at number 18 Auburn. That is going to be a good one. That is going to be a really good game. Both these offenses are capable of moving the ball up and down the field. The Auburn defense is a little bit better than Ole Miss defense. And I'll be really curious to see. I mean, being at home at Jordan-Hare, I mean, this this is such a colossal – it carries a lot of weight for both teams this year because if Ole Miss can get past Auburn, they're still in the race for that second spot behind Bama. If Auburn can beat Ole Miss this week and then turn around and beat A&M next week – they are setting it up for the Iron Bowl to be a play-in game for a spot in the SEC championship game. And I don't think many people figured that when the season started. Not with Auburn, hell no. <laughs> Year one of Brian Harson, no way. No. No. Nah. 
Auburn's been a lot better than people thought they would be. And then Bo Nix, their quarterback, has developed a lot better in year three. And, I mean, they're five and two. And the way they played Arkansas a couple of weeks ago, that Auburn team can beat a lot of teams in the SEC. But they got to do it again. You got to be consistent. And that's the thing about the SEC, man. Every week, dude, it's a big boy that you got to battle with. And then the other ranked-on-ranked matchup is another Big Ten. It's number 20, Penn State, at number 5, Ohio State. I'm going to tell you this. Ohio State's going to look at Penn State and their white uniforms and be like, oh, toilet paper, and they're going to wipe their ass with Penn State. Damn, bro. I can never say that, man, because the games with Penn State and us tend to be they jump on us, and then we have to fight back to, to win it at the end. Uh, I'm interested because Ohio State, obviously – their, their biggest game of the year the, before this was Oregon, and they just got, you know, dug up, didn't play well. C.J. Stroud has been playing like the five-star quarterback uh, that he was in high school the last month. They've been beating people. You know, I think they've scored touchdowns on like 19 consecutive drives. Yeah, it's insane. Their, their offense is, is clicking right now. And that's why I can't wait to see how it goes against Penn State because you'll face some adversity in this game. And how do you respond after you've been kicking people's butt? Uh, but uh, they're really, really good right now, bro. And if uh, I look at their defense, man, I know what their offense is capable of. Even if you play them really good, they're going to score 30. They should. Um, but it's that defense that's been raggedy, Rudy Poot unit all season. They've been playing better, and now they get a real test to see that, uh, hey, can you be like the Cowboys? Can you play good enough to get a couple stops early so your offense can separate and put all the pressure on Penn State? Yeah, and that'll be interesting, too, because it's Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback, is supposed to be healthy now. That makes a huge difference for that offense. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they lost earlier in the year is because he was not 100% healthy when he had to come out of that game. And, right. you know, if, if, if Sean Clifford can play – they, they certainly – they don't. it's the Iowa game is the one I'm talking about. What was that, three weeks ago, I guess. If he right. didn't have to come out of that game, they don't lose to Iowa, and they only have the one loss. But inexplicable to lose in nine overtimes last week in Illinois, who sucks. Dude, that was a classic trap game, man. Man, and I just – I don't buy into – your tests are coming. This will be somewhat of one. But, I mean, people are sleeping on Purdue. And I hate Purdue, but they have a good defense. Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan, those closing with those three games and those three defenses, that'll be – I mean, if Ohio State can – you got Penn State, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, and then Nebraska who's – but, you know, I think Ohio State's going to run the table and win the Big Ten and be in the playoff. But that's me. I, I just don't think anybody else – because their offense, they right now, right now, have the best offense in college football. Oh, I think um... – I'm not even I'm not even close to disagreeing with you because they got three the top the three receivers they play in their three wide are all going to the NFL. Yep. Um they're all terrific. Their tight end Jeremy Rucker is going to be an NFL player next year. And then they got this freshman running back dude who's already got 14 touchdowns. He was the number 1 running back in the country and he showed up as a freshman playing like it. And then they got this other running back who was a three-star recruit I don't know if anybody even heard of it. Here's what happened, man. They signed this dude. He's a running back, three-star recruit, kind of like the last guy they signed. And he was a little fat dude. And he showed up at Ohio State as a little fat dude, man. And then um, I think in the, I think what happened is they signed him. He was a little fat dude. And between the time they signed him and the time he showed up, he went through his own training program 
and lost like 30 pounds and showed up shredded. And all of a sudden, he started playing like he's a five-star running back. And so they play both of those guys now. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, their offense is crazy potent. Their offense is so crazy good that Alabama's best wide receiver, Jamison Williams, had to leave Ohio State. That's true, bro, because he wasn't going to get any run. Exactly. Literally, he yes. wasn't going to get any run. That's why he left and came to Alabama, and he's Alabama's best wide receiver. That tells you how good the Ohio State receiving group is. Yeah. It, it, and, and it's their their offense is nasty good, and they are clicking right now, man. No, I'm looking forward to it. Good game. Yeah, but that'll be a fun one. But other than that, I mean, it, it's just, you know, who's your team, really? Because those are the big games of the weekend. And we're rolling in November. The playoff selection committee has their first rankings come out next Tuesday, and then we'll get a better idea about Cincinnati and how they view them and, and really how they view some of these one-loss teams like Alabama and Ohio State and what their chances are for what they need to do, the path that'll be laid out trying to get into that playoff this year. Let's check in. We do it every week with the greatness of longtime NFL insider. Brought to you, of course, as always, by Medea from Scratch and their three wonderful, delicious locations around the DFW area. It is Ed Werder. And Ed, I know you've been out at the Star all day, and, and the story, the big story, the thing that everybody wants to know, Dak Prescott, what is the latest on that calf injury? Yeah, I thought it was you know interesting that he told us in an 18-minute media access period that we had inside the Ford Center uh, right after practice this afternoon uh, that he escalated the intensity of what he did in practice, that he continues to make uh, daily progress in his mind. Um, but I am not at all sure that he's going to play in this game against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night. Um, it was interesting to me um, that he said, while he believes he's capable of playing, barring any unforeseen setback, that he doesn't think his status is going to be resolved until Saturday. And he acknowledged that other opinions will be involved in the final decision. You know, Mike McCarthy said this morning that uh, Prescott and, and Britt Brown, the director of rehab, will greatly influence the final decision. Uh, acknowledged that the two have worked together extensively through Dak's recent injuries. And, and Dak said that he trusted Brown would be truthful in his recommendation, even if he contradicted what the quarterback wanted to do. He said, it, it'll piss me off if he does that, but, but I'll understand if he does that. And, and we have to assume, I think, ownership will be involved in this. But, but Dak very clearly sees the bigger picture here. You know, he knows, he, he, like the shoulder injury in training camp, he doesn't want it to be a lingering issue on a weekly basis. If he's going to miss a game, then miss a game. Let's get healthy and let's play. At the same time, bigger picture, you know, they're one of, what, five teams in the NFC that has one loss or fewer, and, you know, you sort of lose control of your ability to uh, control where you're seated um, at the end of the season if he misses a game, an NFC game in particular. So I think it's a really interesting decision that they have to make, and I'm less sure today that he's going to play than I was when the day began. Uh, what's the feeling you get about their belief and trust in Cooper Rush? Well, I don't know why they would have any, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I don't either. I he mean, ain't never done nothing. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't thrown a single pass since 2017. He's never started a game. He's played 58 snaps. He's thrown three balls, completed one for three yards. You know, I mean, they obviously say what they need to say about it, but McCarthy said today, that, you know, you go through our locker room, there's a great deal of faith in Cooper Rush. And, uh, you know, he knows the offense in and out. And, um, you know, if we have to hand him the ball, he'll be ready. 
Um, I, I don't know why they would believe that. And I happened to talk to Mike Zimmer earlier today, and I asked him, I said, how different is your defensive approach if it's Dak versus, you know, if it's Cooper Rush? And he said, well, first of all, we're, we're planning to see Dak and play against him at, you know, full capacity. If it's not him, we probably force the quarterback to beat us. So I think it'll, it'll make it very difficult to run the football if Dak's not in there and they'll try to force the game into Cooper Rush's hands. Yeah, it's, I mean, Jacques and I were talking about this. We are talking about a completely different team, which I guess speaks to, and we've talked about this each week we've had you on, Ed, the level that Dak Prescott is playing at and has gotten to in his career is a level that very few quarterbacks around the league right now are playing the level that Dak Prescott is playing at. Yeah, he's one of the top five quarterbacks in football right now. And, um, you know, the bye came at a, at a timely moment, as we talked about. You know, last week he's had this extra week to heal, and now they, look, they probably look at it like, well, if we hold him out of this game, we'll he'll, he'll have three full weeks to get better. You know, Michael Gallup's just coming back now, and he suffered a, hams, or a, a calf injury in week one. Um, so, and, I, and, and the other thing that McCarthy said that I thought was interesting, that if Dak plays in the game, the coaching staff has definitely talked about the possibility of activating Will Greer and having three quarterbacks ready to go because you just never know, even though it might seem fine all week, he could do something at some point in the game if he plays that causes a re-injury and it necessitates him being out of the game. And Dak said, you know, I've done everything I can do. I really pushed it today. I went 100%, not 75, not 50. I want, if something was going to happen to the cast this week, I wanted it to be today and that didn't happen. But he also acknowledged that, hey, I don't have people chasing me at full speed. I haven't been tackled. You know, I'm not being tackled. So he's been able to control his environment. That won't be the case if he plays on Sunday. Oh, and by the way, the Minnesota Vikings uh, have the best pass rush in football. At least they have the most sacks. They only take the average more than three sacks a game. So that's what the Cowboys are up against. And, and Dak said, you know, he, he obviously modified the way he's approached running the football and being physical in the running game. Uh, because of the injury he suffered last year, the fractured right leg and, and dislocated ankle, um, and, and he's modified the way he approaches that, he indicated that he's not really willing to modify the way he plays the game this weekend to accommodate this injury. Uh, he might be able to win from the pocket, but he also recognizes how important extending plays and getting outside the pocket are to his success. And He also said he doesn't want to limit you know, Kellen Moore's ability to call play. So... I think a really fascinating decision is forthcoming. The other big question out at the star is, what's up with Lyle Collins and this apparent move to get Connor Williams out of guard and move him in there? Yeah, you know, I, I actually give Mike McCarthy credit, and maybe it reflects some irritation that the front office and ownership have with Lyle Collins. I mean, he's only played one of the last 22 games. That was the opener against Tampa that the Cowboys lost. Um, and now that he's off his five-game suspension, he is being asked to back up Terrence Steele at right tackle or compete with Terrence Steele at right tackle uh, and to take some reps at left guard, which he hasn't played, I think, since 2016. Um, so it's interesting that they've kind of forced him to, you know, they've kind of underscored that this is a meritocracy and uh, be careful about doing something that cause, causes you to lose reps and not be out on the field with everybody because it's no sure thing even if you're a high-level starter, that you're going to get your job back right away. So to me, I think it sends a great message, and I'm, I'm not sure it's one. It's not something that would have happened under the previous regime. 
Michael Gallup, oh. you mentioned him, and, and he's he's back. Is he playing on Sunday night? And what's the expectation for as 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 far as what he might see in his first game back since week one? I don't know. I I can't really get a clear read on uh, what they think about the progress that he's made. It seems like he's gone through practice without you know any issues whatsoever. Um, so I I would assume that if that continues and he doesn't have any kind of setback during the week that there's a strong possibility that he would be activated for the for the game against the Vikings and you know if if you're if you wind up playing Cooper Rush then you're going to need every every receiver you can get of high quality and he certainly fits that description although you know Cedric Wilson's done an outstanding job uh, in winning Dak's confidence and making plays in the passing game uh, the past five or six weeks so uh, but I can see I could definitely see him playing in the game and defensively how do you think they they uh, use Trayvon Diggs with the uh, with Thielen and Jefferson, yeah, he he was talking today. You know, he had an ankle injury and he's been limited all week. His right ankle, I noticed, was still pretty heavily taped when we talked to him after practice today. Um, he, he's clearly going to play in the game. Uh, he he didn't indicate which guy he would uh, defend or if he'd be assigned one over the other. Uh, he seemed to indicate that they see them both as kind of. You know, very similar threats, even though they're different kinds of players. I mean, Thielen can get vertical on you. Um, and we all, we all know, we've seen video throughout the week of uh, Trayvon matched up with Jefferson when Jefferson was at LSU uh, and he was at Alabama. And things did not necessarily go all that well uh, for Trayvon Diggs. Uh, it was interesting to me, at least in talking to Mike Zimmer, uh, he spoke very highly of Diggs, but he also said, and, and we know Mike Zimmer came up coaching defensive backs in the secondary, and that was a defensive coordinator in his 13 years with the Cowboys. Uh, you know, said he's a guy who will sit on a route. He's a guy who will squat, which kind of sends, sounds like you can double move him. Uh, he has incredible ball skills, he said. He breaks on the ball great. He catches the ball great. But it may, I, I just think he's not necessarily doesn't play the game the way Mike Zimmer likes to be played. He, he actually said that, you know, in Dallas it wasn't always, hey, one good play for every bad play. Uh, you know, the bad plays override the good plays, in my opinion. So that kind of made it seem to me like they're not going to go out of their way to avoid throwing at it. When you Which look- is what he wants, by the way. He wants to be thrown at. Yeah, I, he does. But when you look at this game overall, Ed, in kind of the weight of the season, we know they've got Denver and Atlanta coming up. And, and I think some people look at Minnesota. It's a 3-3 team even though they lost by one to Arizona and in week one, it was an overtime loss to Cincinnati. How important is this game in, in the structure of the NFC for the Cowboys as they try to get to six and one? Well, it's really not that important in their division. I mean, I think we, as long as Dak doesn't get hurt and this doesn't turn into something that's a weekly issue or he suffers another injury that takes him out of the lineup like he did last year. I mean, they've got an enormous lead in the division. Everybody else is two and five. So it really is all about, you know, keeping up with the Rams and the Bucks and the Packers and, and, and taking down Arizona, who they play, you know, late in the year here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important in that regard. But I think the most important thing is to make sure you have your best player for the majority of the season, especially late in the year. Um, and so that's why I kind of think that I could understand if they decided, you know, Dak doesn't play in this game. And he seemed as much as he wants to play, and he made it clear if it was just his decision he would play, he also, like I said, seemed to sense the big-picture importance of this decision and that this game doesn't necessarily qualify. And you know what? That could, that could start the game, and they could lose, 
you know, they haven't played that great on the road. Um, they, they lost at Tampa. They went to overtime uh, last week against uh, New England and, and won that game. They won at the Chargers on the final play of the game on a, on a field goal. So they're not invincible on the road anyway. They have been invincible at home. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's important, but I, I don't think they see it as, ah, we're going to win the division handily. We don't have to worry about that. There is something to be concerned about, you know, allowing these other teams to create space at the top of the NFC uh, and putting yourself in a position where you don't have the postseason advantages you'd like to have. But I just think ultimately the biggest part of the whole thing is making sure that you have your quarterback uh, for the majority of the season. And if he has to miss one game to accomplish that, then it's probably worth it. Yeah, I would say that as we shift a little bit to the NFL, you know, I always like to ask you, is there a game that intrigues you uh, on this week's slate? Well, I, I think the, you know, the, the Packer Cardinal game on Thursday night had a lot of intrigue, except for now Devontae Adams is out of the game, Alan Lazard's out of the game, J.J. Watt's out of the game. Um, so uh, I think that game has lost a little, a little bit of its luster. And I think Cowboy fans probably hope that the Packers, you know, beat Arizona because they can handle um, Arizona on their own later in the year. They don't get to play the Packers. Uh, beyond that, um, I don't know. I, I'm interested, I guess, to see how Cincinnati plays and how legitimate they are. You know, uh, they've won two consecutive road games. They're playing another road game this week, and then they're home for four out of their next five. So I think it's interesting to get a better sense of how they stack up against, you know, Buffalo and Tennessee uh, and some of the leading contenders in the AFC. And then, and then of course, uh, Monday Night Football, you got to see if the Kansas City Chiefs are really as bad as they played or they can get well against the Giants. Yeah, man, Dude. Kansas City, golly. That, that, that's that got to be the most surprising thing of the season so far, how how poorly. And it's not like they're 1-5 in five or something like that, but, man, they right. just they look like they are just not a good team. Well, they're 3-4. and four. That's the second-worst record they've had at this point in the season of, under Andy Reid. And... You know, I mean, they they have 17 turnovers. That's five more than any other team. It's <laughs> amazing. I mean, they're turning the ball over on 24% of their offensive possessions. And they're doing it at a time when their defense is among historically one of the worst ever. And so you're making it all the more impossible to have any kind of success on defense when you're creating. I mean, it's like the Cowboys last year. That's what it's like. It's like you have a bad defense and an offense that turns the ball over, and now they have to defend a short field all the time. And the offense then has to play from behind. It's just an impossible situation. Although, I think there's a very easy solution for Andy Reid, and he's way smarter in terms of football than any of us. And all he has to do is run the ball against the two deep zone. But he has so far refused to do so. Bro, he don't like running the ball, man. He's never liked it. He just can't do it. But it does – it would it would limit – presumably the turnovers, at least those that Patrick Mahomes commits, and it would lessen the stress on the defense, and it would protect the defense. They wouldn't be on the field so much. I mean, this is it's kind of what the Cowboys did when they drafted Zeke, you know, fourth overall. It was, we have a terrible defense. We want to run the football, control the game, time, dominate time of possession, and keep our defense off the field. Those are all things that Andy Reid should be interested in right now. Obviously, the trade deadline's coming up next Tuesday. Have you heard anything on the latest on Deshaun Watson? Is there still because it, it, it sounds like they expected that he he'll be in Miami by next Tuesday? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I still think that's a a very hard trade to defend um, in especially in our current climate and with so many unknowns. I mean, 
I think we got a very true sense from Roger Goodell at the owners' meetings in New York this week saying that they're probably not going to put him on the commissioner's exempt list. And anybody who thought that the mere fact that he got traded would justify the league changing his status, uh, but that claim is totally unfounded. If he's, he's, at, he's eligible to play right now for the Texans and he's eligible to play next week for whoever might trade for him, but it doesn't seem to me that unless Miami's just posturing and doesn't want to bid against itself, that the Vikings or the uh, Dolphins are on the verge of, of making that trade. I don't think they can save their season now anyway. And so it seems to me like the most logical thing is just to wait until the off season, have a, everybody have a clear for the Texans, for everybody to have a clear understanding of his availability. Um, long-term, is there going to be a suspension? Probably going to be a suspension of six to 10 games. Um, but know what you're trading for. Know what to expect this 25-year-old franchise quarterback is going to be able to do for you so that you can then decide if the compensation Houston's demanding is fair or not. Ed Werder, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Thanks for doing it. Hey, thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. All right, sounds right, good. There he is, the great Ed Werder, who joins us every week here on the podcast. Brought to you, of course, as I mentioned, by Medea from Scratch. They have three fantastic locations in the DFW area. And with holiday parties and all that stuff that's coming up, I mean, everybody, if you own a company or work for a company, you always end up getting together. And, you know, nowadays it's like, hey, instead of the big company party, let's go have lunch, whatever. But not only does Medea from, from Scratch cater, and they'd love to cater your holiday party, they also, you know, you can reserve tables or a room or what have you for Medea from Scratch for your company holiday party. So keep that in mind. They've got locations in Plano there in the West Plano Village up there off, what is that, up off the tollway on that side of Plano. They've also got one in Grapevine, and they've got one right there in Flower Mound as well. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.